Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Noah leaving the ark, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 8, verse 14. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Taking all of those animals in, he would have had to have taken food supplies for all of those animals. And um, there are just a lot of sanitation things that had to be taken care of uh, during that period of time. So I imagine when we get to heaven, Noah would have quite an interesting story to tell us. (laughs) And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took of every clean beast. Now you remember he took the clean beast by sevens, that is seven pairs of the clean beast. The others, just one pair of each. But of the clean or domesticated type animals, he took seven pair. And so Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took every clean beast and every clean fowl, and he offered a burnt offering on the altar. Now, later on, when we get into Leviticus and we discover the various types of offerings, we find that the burnt offering was the offering of dedication or sacrifice or or, or commitment unto God. There was the peace offering, which was the communion offering, the fellowship. There was the sin offering. But the burnt offering was one of consecration to God. And so the first thing that Noah did in coming out of the ark was to establish now this commitment to God, the burnt offering, the offering of consecration, commitment. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. In other words, he smelled that meat barbecuing. God likes the smell of barbecued meat. (laughs) So do I. But God's declaration and God's evaluation of man, that the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Isn't that something? Why is that? That from you, the imagination of the heart is evil. It is because we have been born with a sinful nature. So from our youth, the wicked imaginations. Now, the Bible speaks about God and is dealing with us, and it says he knows our frame, that we are but dust. And understanding that we are but dust, knowing our weaknesses, he has made provisions to make us strong. We're never to just excuse ourselves and say, well, my imaginations are wicked from my youth and I'm just dust. And so I just, you know, will give in to my fleshly impulses and so forth. Never. 
fact that God knows we're but dust and he knows that the imagination of our minds are evil continually, it doesn't mean that then God condones the evil, but he has made the provisions that we might have a spiritual birth and that we might enter into that power and dimension of power that he has for us. And while the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Now, this was God's declaration. It's getting night time. So, God's word is still true. They just recently planted the seeds and the beans are starting to come up across the street. Seed time. The wheat that they planted, the winter wheat crop, they're about ready to harvest. So there's seed time, harvest. Now there is the cold and the heat. Of course, here in Southern California, we get mixed up sometimes and we get cold in May and it gets warm in, July, in January. But basically we have our seasons, summer and winter, day and night planting and harvesting, the cycles of God, the covenant of God. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so the commandment that was given to Adam at the beginning is now given to Noah because we're starting all over again with a race of men. That race that began with Adam was wiped out with the exception of Noah and his three sons with their wives. And so now we're starting over again to fill the earth, multiply, fill the earth. Now, the commandment is to fill the earth, but in a little while we're going to find them sort of congregating in one area and uh, the plains of Shinar. So God there brought the change of languages in order to create the division and cause them to go ahead and fill the earth instead of just trying to populate one area. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fish of the sea. And into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green vegetables have I given you all things. But the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. Now, prior to the flood, man was a vegetarian. God said unto Adam, all of the green herbs are yours. All of the vegetables are yours for food. The grains, the, the vegetables and uh, the nuts, the fruits, they were comprising the food of man prior to the flood. But now, after the flood period, God has also given man meat in his diet. And so God declares that uh, man can now eat meat, but there is to be a thorough bleeding of the meat. And of course, this is something that was codified under the law when God spoke to Moses. And interestingly enough, one of the only 
parts of the law that was uh, commended to the Gentile church, that they keep themselves from things that were strangled. That is, when you strangle an animal, the blood remains in the flesh. And so the, the, the way of butchering was to cut it so that the animal would then bleed. The blood would uh, bleed out of it, and then they were to eat it. Uh, basically, this is uh, probably for sanitary reasons as well as a spiritual connotation, the life of the flesh being in the blood and that recognition of, of the importance of blood for life, which was all looking forward ultimately to Jesus Christ and his blood that was to be shed, his life that was to be given for our sins. And so the high respect for blood and the equating of blood with life. And so there was to be that thorough bleeding of the animal uh, before it was to be eaten. Now, no way can you interpret this, nor later on under the law where God commands them not to drink the blood, no way can you interpret this as to be a prohibition of blood transfusions. That is a, just a complete twisting of Scripture. But it is a tragic twisting of Scripture because it takes hundreds of lies every year. People were shocked because Jimmy Jones took a group of people down to Guyana and at his instigation they committed suicide or were murdered. And the whole world was shocked that people in a religious frenzy and fervor would go to such extremes as, as to commit mass suicide and murder that way. And yet, because the Jehovah Witnesses refused to have blood transfusions, they are dying, many of them, every year because of a foolish interpretation and an unscriptural interpretation of the scriptures. I do not see much difference between Guyana and what is happening, except that one was many people at one time, the other is many people over a period of time, many more people actually, but over a period of time. I have a letter in my office from a heartbroken mother whose daughter had a operable tumor, but because of her religious beliefs would not allow the doctors to operate and the doctors, that is, she would not allow blood transfusions and the doctors would not, because of the operation, the type of the operation, they would not operate without having at least the privilege of using the blood and having it as a standby. And so in her refusal to have the blood transfusion, the doctors refused also to operate and she died a couple of months ago I have the tragic letter from her mother, the heartbreak, 
of the three little children that were left behind because she thought that she was following God's law, which in fact is just a misinterpreting of God's law by these people, and, and thus gave her life for religious reasons, which was totally unnecessary. But here we find God prohibiting the eating of meat with, uh, with blood, that is, the meat that had been strangled, meat that had not been thoroughly bled. And as I say, it is one of the things that carried over into the church in the book of Acts when they decided what part of the law. But notice this is before the law was ever given. This antedates the law, and as I say, it's because God wants to give man the respect for life, and that's the whole idea, the respect for life. For as we go on, God said, Surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he him. So here at the beginning now of a new civilization, God is establishing capital punishment. If a man sheds another man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. This is the beginning of human government, and it is the basic foundation upon which human government was to be established. Now we have just heard another outcry because a man who had been guilty of shedding another man's blood, his life was taken by the hand of man, and there was this great outcry again in our country because of this. I cannot be sympathetic with them when they are so inconsistent as they talk about the inconsistencies of our judicial system. If they are going to be truly inconsistent, they should be just as concerned about those that the communists are killing as they are those that are being put to death because they themselves were guilty of murder. But like it or not, agree with it or not, capital punishment was instituted by God as the basis of human government. Now, the way that man has kept the law certainly is not just, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this is the basic foundation and principle of human government. And you, the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. So the commandment to man to bring forth abundantly, to multiply in the earth, and it is interesting that those who are crying so loud are so loudly against capital punishment are the same ones who endorse so strongly, many times, abortion. That doesn't make sense. 
It's just the opposite of what God said. God said multiply. God said if a man takes another man's life or sheds another man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And so they are just really going against, opposite to what God has said. They're crying against capital punishment, and yet they are crying out for abortion. It really, there's some bad inconsistencies here. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So now God is beginning to establish a covenant with man, and this is the beginning of God's covenant relationship with man. Now God established a covenant later with Abraham that he would be the one through whom, he would be the father of the nation through whom the Messiah would come. Later God made a covenant with the nation Israel under the law. The covenant always establishes the basis of man's relationship with God. So here is a righteous, holy God. Here is a sinful man. Here is an infinite God and a finite man. How can you ever get the two together? How can a finite, sinful man become one with an infinite holy God. There has to be some basis by which man's sin is put away in order that he might become one with a righteous, holy God. In the Old Testament, as God established a covenant with the nation Israel, there were the provisions of the sin offerings whereby their, their sins would be covered in order that they might have a fellowship with God. But that covenant failed, not because God wasn't faithful, but because man wasn't even faithful to that covenant relationship. And so God said, a new covenant will I make, not written on the tables of stone, but I'll write it on the fleshly tablets of their hearts. Now, if the first covenant was adequate and sufficient, there would have never been need for a new covenant. But even Jeremiah, who lived under the Old Covenant, saw that it was not and could not work because of man's continued disobedience and unfaithfulness. So God established a new covenant not predicated upon man's faithfulness, but predicated now upon God's faithfulness. So we have a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ that is based upon the faithfulness of God of putting away my sins if I'll just simply believe and trust in His Son. Now the old covenant based upon man's faithfulness to keep the law failed because man didn't keep the law. Because it was predicated upon man, man's faithfulness failed. Thus the new covenant cannot fail because God cannot fail and is predicated upon God's faithfulness, who is faithful and who will keep his promise and will keep his covenant that he has made with us through Jesus Christ. But this is the beginning, really, of the covenant relationships with God and man. And God established this covenant with Noah after he came out from the ark. And God in this covenant declared 
Then neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the token of my covenant, the sign which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. For I will set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature and of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And so the rainbow, prior to the flood, there had never been a rainbow because there had never been a rain. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 8-9 through 9 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and watch over you this week. May His hand be upon your life to strengthen you, to guide you. May He use you as His instrument to do His work. May God fill you with love and with understanding, compassion, the Spirit. May you walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit of God this way. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. 
I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.